Welcome to this week's Energy Show. Now, there's an increased interest in U.S. manufacturing from consumers who want to buy made-in-the-USA products, from government procurement requiring made-in-the-USA equipment, from U.S. manufacturers that are here that want to increase their local business, and from tariffs that are increasing the prices of non-U.S. goods, and from new government policies encouraging U.S. manufacturing. So what does this U.S. manufacturing renaissance mean for the solar industry? Well, I can think of no better way to answer this question than find a long-term U.S. solar panel manufacturer. So my guest this week is my friend Mamoon Rashid, COO of Oxen Solar. Oxen Solar is based in San Jose, a local company. They manufacture high-quality poly and mono panels for residential and commercial customers, and they also do original equipment manufacturing for Tier 1 manufacturers who have made in the USA requirements. So welcome to the show, Mamoon. Thank you. All right. So tell us a bit more about Oxen Solar. What types of panels do you make? Who are your general customers? Things like that. We make the traditional 1672 cell modules for residential, commercial, and ut- utility markets. We also make off-grid products hmm, that are sold at Home Depot and on Amazon. We also make a lot of custom products like BIPV modules, modules where the glass is 0.1 millimeters thick. That's uh, pretty incredible. I, I didn't even know that they can make glass that's 0.1 millimeters they, they thick. They do. So, it's, so, it's, so is that framed or is that just kind of glued onto a tile or something? It, it's glued on, it's laminated to another mounting structure. Okay. It's then glued on. Just curious, why do people use glass instead of like PVC or some kind of plastic film? For the light transmittance, so first you want the rigidity to protect the cells, and also you want whatever you're going to make, whatever material you use to make the panels rigid, you want as much light transmittance as possible. And, and you know, what I also like about glass is that it just kind of lasts a long time. Any plastic that I've seen that's exposed, it, it just tends to get scratched or fogged, and glass is really hard. Yeah, yeah. You can drop, when we do our tests, you can drop a hammer on the glass nothing happens to it, but you hit it on the side, it shatters. Well, all right. Well, let's keep hammers away. That's actually one of the things that we train our installers not to like reach over the panels with an impact driver or a wrench or anything, because if you drop it, usually it bounces, uh-huh. but once in a while, you yeah. know, and it's expensive, you, yeah. you break it. Yeah. So when did you guys start your U.S. solar panel manufacturing activities? We started it around 2010. Two years after Oxen Solar started. Okay. Yeah. So you've been manufacturing in the U.S. for eight years. Eight years, yeah. So, so I'm kind of thinking, like, what other companies have been manufacturing solar panels consistently for the last eight years? Imagine that. And uh, around the world. Forget well, the U.S., around the world, who has lasted for eight years. <laughs> it's a pretty short list. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, so you guys got some good experience, and you know, longevity is important. So what kind of customers are most interested in these made-in-the-USA products? Number one, it's customers looking for quality of service, of course, quality of panels, but also after-sales service. And customers, we're getting a growing list of customers that are intentionally looking to support U.S. manufacturing jobs, which we really appreciate. And also customers looking to make a statement for a U.S.-made product, uh, using it as a PR, that we've done this project, we've got a lot of choices out there, and we've chosen to use a U.S.-made product. Yeah, and there's there's kind of a, well, a, re- a real shortage of good, reliable U.S. suppliers. So let's talk a little bit about the ingredients and the components that go into a solar panel. What are all the pieces that you have to pull together or have in San Jose to make a finished product? Cells, 
ribbon, flux, glass, EVA, back sheet, junction box, aluminum frames, polymer frames, packaging, things like that. So, so where do you source these components? Everywhere. Of course, our number one choice as a U.S. manufacturer is to support other U.S. suppliers. So we get stuff from the U.S. We get stuff from Italy, Germany, Taiwan, Korea, and China. So among the components that are high quality and affordable, what can you get here in the U.S.? We can get things like substrate material, the polymers that we use for our backing material. We can get ribbon and that's very important for the performance of the cell. So the ribbons, cell. that's the wires that connect the cells together? The ribbons are exactly the interconnection between the cells yeah, you, and you, the you, interconnection between the strings. Yeah. I learned a lot about that over the last few weeks, but that's a different I, topic. That's right. <laughs> How's that going? Good. I'll show you yeah. some samples later. Just kind of a little, little aside here. So we're doing some training and experiments in our office at Cinnamon Energy Systems, and I'm going to have all of my installers solder together with the ribbons the solar cells. Fantastic. And, and they're like really fascinating. This is one of the amazing things. Yeah. I, mean, yeah. I show people one of your cells mm-hmm. and nobody has ever handled a solar cell. Wow. They have no idea. I mean, they've they put in thousands and thousands of, of frame modules, but nobody's ever touched a yeah, cell. And, and the negative terminal is on the sunny side. Yes. Which yes. is counterintuitive. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't make sense. Okay. So what are the most expensive parts of the module? The cells, number one. And also now with the cell prices going down, the back sheet, the glass, and the junction box are pretty high up there in our bomb cost. So can you get the cells in the U.S.? We cannot get the cells in the U.S., unfortunately. We have tried a couple of times, but the suppliers were not able to survive long enough, unfortunately. So all the cells come from overseas? Overseas, from Germany, from Taiwan. Those are our main suppliers. What about the frames? There's a lot of domestic aluminum extruders and manufacturers. There are. uh, They're a little bit out of our price range. So uh, here's the challenge for us, which is we're doing manufacturing. People demand high quality because it's a made-in-USA product. However, it's a commodity. So pricing is very important. People will, even if they prefer to buy made-in-the-USA, they still have competitors themselves. So pricing is number one. And for us to be competitive in pricing, uh, some items which are available in the U.S. as the aluminum frame is, we are still not able to source here. We are getting the frames from Taiwan. It's, it's interesting because, you know, when, when you and I have had partnerships before doing manufacturing and, you know, I've been to China a lot of times, just kind of asking how much their aluminum frames are, they're down around 8 or $9 or right. less. Right. And then to get a comparable frame made in the U.S., it's, it's like twice the price. Yeah. And the quality is about the same mm-hmm. and the turnaround is about the same. Right. Right. Exactly. And I think there are, and it's no fault of the manufacturers here. It's their raw material is expensive. And then that's where the tariffs on the raw material like aluminum uh, is going to play a role. And that hits us as well. Yeah. Anything else about your sources of components? Do you think that there is going to be more U.S. suppliers of these components? Are there any cell manufacturers setting up shop in the U.S. that will meet your quality and and, uh, quantity standards? Cell manufacturers, we haven't heard of any. You know, we tried Suniva. We tried to work with Suniva. We encouraged them to stay alive. We said uh, we could single-handedly keep them alive with the demand that we have. They just weren't able to mm, keep the cost down. 
hmm. and meet our demands on uh, capacity. Yeah, well, just kind of as an outside observer, one of the challenges is the cell technology is evolving very quickly. I mean, 10, 10 years ago, it was all poly. The mono was too expensive. Then it was mono. Then it's mono perk. And then went from five inch to six inch. And there's all kinds of improvements. So it's not like you can buy cell equipment and that's going to be good for 10 years. It probably has a lifespan of three years before you have to make major upgrades. As it is for uh, the module manufacturing, we have to re uh, refresh our equipment once every 24 months, 18 to 24 months, just to keep up with the technology. So that it's an excellent point. That's what scares a lot of investors and a lot of startups away, because how long is the investment going to last? Is it going to last long enough for the RI? And it's that much more for a cell where the equipment will be two to three times the expense of uh, module manufacturing. Yeah. Solar City and now Tesla had partnered with Panasonic to build a plant in Buffalo, and, and I don't know how that's going, but you know that would have been probably the biggest cell manufacturing plant. And the solar world had a big plant also, but yeah. I don't know if their cells were... I don't know if their cells that they were making until recently are, are kind of competitive with the yeah. latest and greatest stuff from Asia. Yeah, that, that's the thing. So we also looked at cell manufacturing here. To, our intent was to control our supply chain because mm -hmm. uh, we've had issues in the past with supply of cells, reliable supply of cells. So, but when we looked at it, we felt we would always be one to two quarters behind on technology. Wow. And we would rather let the PhDs that do this for a living, let them focus on it. That, make, that makes sense. Okay, Mamoon, now let's talk about these trade policies. What tariffs have impacted your solar manufacturing over the past eight years? All of it. Everything that has happened in the last eight years has all impacted us, and it's been mostly positive. When the sales from Taiwan were tariffed, that was a negative impact for us because Taiwanese pricing was, there was no dumping uh, from Taiwan. Uh, for some reason, they got lumped in with China and everybody else. So that was like the first round of solar cell tariffs. Exactly. That was okay. the AD, CED. Yeah, yeah. And Taiwan got dumped in there, and, and that impacted us. But since then, I think last year, it, it lasted for three or four years, and last year it, was, it wasn't lifted completely. It was reduced. So there was a tariff, I guess it was like 2011 or so, or 2010, mm -hmm. and tariffs on Chinese and Taiwanese cells. And mm -hmm. Taiwanese, like, how did they lump that into China? Yeah, really and then there was a tariff on modules. Mm -hmm. And that actually hit Suniva because Suniva was manufacturing their modules in China using right. U.S. cells. Yeah. And then we have this new round of tariffs. So mm -hmm. tell us about that. That was the 201. Right. The 201 that came around. So that was, again, very, very helpful for us. It just what it did, we never looked for a helping hand from the government. What we asked is just make it fair. Because when we see modules out there delivered here to the U.S., below the cost of our bill of materials, we have no chance. So we always scratch our heads. How is that possible? Because we buy large volumes. Yes, we don't buy gigawatts, but we buy hundreds of megawatts. So we also get very good pricing, volume pricing. And so when 201 was put in place, we were quite involved in there. We proposed a middle-of-the-road approach on the tariff levels, and it has been extremely helpful for us because it made it fair. 
So where are you getting your cells? You're still getting your cells from Asia. A combination of Germany and Taiwan. And is there a tariff on those cells coming in yet? Uh, yes, we pay a tariff on the cells from Taiwan, which is from the previous ADCVD. Uh-huh. So we're paying that, but we don't pay any of the tariffs for 201 yet until we hit the 2 gigawatt import. So there's a cap of two gigawatts of solar cells that can be imported into the U.S., and then after that, everybody's got to pay 30%. Exactly. So now you've got kind of, you can buy cells from around the world, and you don't have to pay a tariff on that, whereas modules that are made that come in have to pay a tariff. So that's an advantage for you. That's an advantage, yeah. The only thing, though, is when the 201 policies were put in place and the rates were determined, when we made those calculations, the baseline has moved now. And it has moved significantly lower because of all the cell pricing has dropped. That means we need to revisit those rates to keep the same level of protection. So the cost of the cells has gone down, but what about the cost of the other materials? I mean, they were kind of talking about non-solar, but there's a lot of other tariffs out there. Right. And so that impacts us with the new 301 that's coming out or has come out already. That's impacting us negatively. So our raw materials that we use are now we have to pay tariffs. So one thing is the baseline has dropped. So the protection we had on 201, that protection is diminished and it's going to get lower and lower uh, in subsequent years. And also the raw materials that we buy, now we're having to pay import duties on those. So it's it's challenging. So basically, you got some help from the government because they let two gigawatts of cells come in without tariffs. Mm-hmm. Um, and that made it easier and more cost-effective for you to manufacture. But but all the other ingredients, the junction boxes, the yeah, everything. Actually, everything else, now has a tariff on it. So kind of the government saying, here's a break on the cells, right. which is diminishing, and, mm-hmm. but they're hitting you on other cost factors. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, wow. Wow. Just kind of overall, how did the Ceneva Solar World tariff affect your business? Did kind of business go up after that? Exactly. It did quite significantly. And just like the ADCVD, uh, more important than the business going up, it opened many doors that were closed. So people talked to us who otherwise would have never talked to us and said, all right, we have to talk to you now because the stuff coming in from Asia is more expensive. And once they talk to us, they're pleasantly surprised that our pricing is still very competitive with Asians. And then they experience us, uh, the customer service and the quality of the products. Then the discussion changes, and it's not necessarily about pricing. So what's it going to take? What kind of future government assistance or support would be helpful for your U.S. manufacturing? I mean, kind of be specific. Tell us what tariffs are good. Tell us what tariffs are bad. Yeah, I wish if we could make the case to the government that as a manufacturer, protect us from tariffs on our raw materials. If we're not the end customer for the material, like a, a solar panel, that's the end product. But my ingredients that I need to produce the product here, I should be exempt the tariffs. That's one thing I would request. And other little things like use tax on equipment. (laughs) You know, that that one always gets me because I have equipment here because I'm creating jobs and I'm contributing to to the economy. So make it easy for me. Those 
So there's three people that you can talk to. First, you set up a meeting with President Trump or run for president in 2020. So Mamoun Rashid for president to kind of support solar manufacturing or see if you can get an appointment with the Trump administration to talk about eliminating some of those hostile manufacturing penalties. Now, Gavin Newsom going to be the governor of California, obviously a supporter, but then also looking for revenue. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, Sam Licardo is a terrific mayor in San Jose, and he's very open-minded for ways to continue to support local manufacturing and clean energy. Yes, we, uh, yes, we plan to reach out to Sam in the coming weeks to talk specifically about this topic of taxing. All right, good, good. So, just kind of thinking back over the past 10 years, how has solar manufacturing changed? The scaling up has helped significantly. All the pricing has dropped because of the scaling up. So, that's just good in general for the industry because the higher volumes, lower costs, more automation that's come in, the research that's gone into automating more refined processes because of the scaling up. And it's all connected. So as the pricing drop, it opened up more markets, more demand, pricing going lower, and feeding on itself. So the, what we've seen over the last 10 years are better equipment that allows more automation, better processes, and more choices in the supply chain. And those more choices create a competition that lowered the pricing. What other government policies would help your business? I mean, I see that there's government procurement has to be kind of made in the USA. Is that a good market segment for you where, you know, the Army is going to build some barracks and they want solar panels on there and and you've got one of the best U.S. manufacturers? Is that good for you? Yeah, that's all great for us. That's all fantastic for us. Uh, What I would say is the government... As the Trump administration did, uh, just listen to us when we point out places where dumping is going on, uh, because there are uh, certain foreign governments that are more interested in capturing market share than anything else. So the agenda is, uh, regardless of what industry, it can be a solar panel, it can be a piece of furniture, do what it takes to capture market share. So just to keep an eye out on that and to make it fair. That's all we ever ask for is because it's a commodity market and very hard for us to compete when even something simple as spending the money on the solar shows where our competitors from other countries don't necessarily have to spend that money because the government pays the bill for that. You know, So we're not asking for that. What we say is just when it's some abuse of pricing that's going on, listen to us, take the data and take some action. Okay, good. How did you start Oxen? What got you into the solar industry? My background is computer chip design. So I had someone who offered to buy my rejected wafer material from a startup that I had, and I asked why. And they said they, they were going to process the material to make solar cells. And that got me curious, and then I dug into it a little bit more because I always thought solar panels, those ugly things on satellites, that's all I ever knew about them. And as I looked into it, I saw the potential for solar energy in general, where it could bring energy where you couldn't have a grid. So that was very exciting. And 10 years ago, the business was still relatively young, and it presented opportunities for innovation in manufacturing and in design. And uh, that's how we started Oxen Solar with always our goal was always because it was right after the 2008 crash. Uh, So our goal always was what would it take to create manufacturing jobs here? 
And uh, so that's why we decided to do the manufacturing as well. So at first it was just going to be design and manufacture abroad like everybody else. But right then 2008 happened and we said, you know, we're part of the problem. We've got to design and figure out how that design is manufacturable in the U.S. And it's just kind of fascinating how there's been a, a rebirth of interest in U.S. manufacturing. Still challenging just because of all the costs. Right. But, you know, it's great that you guys have products right here in San Jose. Right. And then and going forward, the we can still keep it going. Uh, the key is to scale up manufacturing to amortize the fixed cost over a larger quantity. And that scale-up has to be through automation. And whatever percentage we scale up, we have to scale up the headcount percentage less. So then you're coming out ahead. And also, as a commodity manufacturing, we have to keep keep the administrative costs to as minimum as possible. Keep that overhead down. All right. How can people get in touch with Oxen? You can call us at 408 868-4380, or you can go to our website, www.oxensolar.com, or just come down and visit us. We're in uh, in South San Jose. All right. That's terrific. Well, that's all the time we have on this week's Energy Show. Thanks, Mamoon, for joining us, and thanks to all of our listeners for tuning in. If you missed any of today's show, you can always go to our website at cinnamon.energy and listen to the podcasts.